0: No, I don't want to hear the answer to what if they threw a party and nobody came. I know there's no Triple Crown on the line, but there's still a Triple Crown race to be run, and that is the Belmont Stakes on Saturday, which we will handicap right here on In the Gate.
1: They're in the gate.
2: They're in the gate. In the gate. They're in the gate.
1: It's a head bobbing finish.
0: This is In The Gate, ESPN's Thoroughbred Racing Podcast. My name is Barry Abrams. You can follow me on Twitter at b Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. You can also get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well, which services the iTunes Store and TuneIn.com. You can get us on that little pink Podcatcher app on your phone that you didn't even know you had. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. It is the oldest of the Triple Crown races by a good nine years. The Belmont Stakes started in 1866 and has been run at four different tracks, two of which don't even exist anymore. And when the Belmont Stakes moved to its permanent home at Belmont Park in 1905, no less than Thomas Edison himself was there to document it with a film crew. So I don't want to hear how the Belmont Stakes is not important because there's no Triple Crown on the line. It's still a Triple Crown race. It's worth a lot of money. And we're going to break down who's going to win that race. And we have a couple of guests to help us do that. We once again, back by popular demand, have our good friend Chris Felika, the bear, from College Game Day. And for the first time we welcome Acacia Courtney to In The Gate. Acacia Courtney, a racing analyst at Gulfstream Park. She spent some time handicapping on the radio. And I just want to say this. Acacia Courtney was born on October 26, 1992, just mere minutes away from where ESPN Studios are located. Just one week earlier, exactly one week earlier on October 19, 1992, I started my job at ESPN. Oh, wow. That is so not good on so many levels.
1: (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) That is amazing.
0: All right, so let's start (laughs) with this. I want to start with Chris in going through kind of how this race is run. And it seems counterintuitive that front runners do so well here. It's a long race. you Mm -hmm. got to save your energy. But yet... You don't see closers win
2: the Belmont
0: that often, Chris. Why is mm-hmm. that?
2: And, and that, it's, that's something how I've approached this uh, handicapping from a kind of a, a logical point of view. When you go back and you look at me before Creator had won last year, it was probably what uh, victory gallop when he spoiled the Triple Crown to come from way. I mean, Summer Bird came from off the pace, but I don't think he was like dead last closing like a, like a train late. And and you, and you look at how close. Todd Pletcher's been lately with some real long shots. I mean, Destin was it wasn't He was eight to one last year and nearly one from just on the pace. Commissioner was twenty something to one and got nipped at the wire by Tonalist. Stay thirsty just got nipped at the wire. He was a big price, so uh, I, I think Todd's familiarity with this track and knowing how it plays and knowing the history. I mean, I'm basically going in with the mentality of, in terms of people who like looking at Lee, the odds of the same jockey trainer combo winning in the same race. Two years in a row with the exact same running style. If he beats me, I'll call congratulations, but uh, I'll use him underneath, but I, I just can't see the, uh, the the way the race is going to be one run the same way it was last year. Well, hold
0: on. There's a pattern there that I want to get to in a little bit, but Acacia, the ground condition is going to be an issue mm-hmm. here, and this is something you're familiar with because you've been a rider, not a jockey, but a rider for so long. Mm-hmm there has been a lot of moisture in the New York metropolitan area, but it is starting to dry out. Ken McPeak at the draw yesterday said that if we get warm temperatures and there is an 85 degree forecast for Saturday that the condition of the ground may become what he calls heavy. What does he mm-hmm. mean by that?
1: Well, I think it, he's just meaning that it's a little bit harder to get over it. It, as it. As it starts to dry out a little bit, that's when you kind of have to watch trends and maybe biases in the track, and I think that that's what he's saying might be something to keep in mind, especially for handicappers and then for uh, jockeys as well. You hear about it being a rider's race, and oftentimes it really is, I think, more than anything, the stamina of the horse, but when you have a horse that can maybe get out in front and maybe just not have... all of that kickback as well as the track starts to dry out a little bit you get mud coming back in the faces of the horses that are behind it just makes it a lot tougher for them to try to make up that ground and to get through that track that may be a little bit deeper and harder to move over
0: well that brings us to the pace scenario and at the time we're recording this on thursday morning There is significant doubt whether Epicarus will be running in this race because Mm -hmm. he was found to be lame on Wednesday night. So he would be a part of the pace scenario here. So, Acacia, how do you see the pace scenario shaping up?
1: I was I was pretty bummed to hear that because I was really intrigued by Epicurus and how he would uh, perform. He was actually my pick in the UAE Derby, and I do think he's a very talented colt. But as far as pace, I mean, you look at a horse like Meantime for Brian Lynch, who he doesn't have uh, graded stakes to his win yet, but he certainly has that early speed and i think that that's really going to be um, a key for him and irish war cry i mean he's by curl and we know he can get the distance he's the morning line favorite i saw him run here at Gulfstream um, a couple of times and i really still think he's a horse that's better when he gets on the front end and he's shown that he can come from off of the pace but i think that he's got a lot of speed to his name as well and that really could be uh, could be key i think it could be um, a big change to the race if Cars doesn't run and we don't see that a lot of that hot pace up front but that could make room for somebody who may be just stronger like irish war cry to get loose on the front end
0: irish war cry sidles up alongside of battalion runner midway on the fire turn and irish war cry pokes ahead in front irish war cry on the outside has got a neck in front Battalion Runner all out, second on the inside, four lengths back to Cloud Computing. Irish War Cry's in front because they come to the final 16th. Battalion Runner's not going with them. Then comes Cloud Computing down to the line. Irish War Cry has won the Wood Memorial under Rajiv Mirage. Chris, you know, Irish War Cry could be the fourth Belmont favorite ever, ever to go off at higher than 3 to 1. Now, obviously, he started that chain reaction at the derby where all these horses bumped with each other. How much mm-hmm. running do you think he actually
2: did? Well, he was in a great position it appeared as they turned for home, and that's one of the key angles that I'm looking at in this race. I think all of those horses that were stuck on the outside and ran against the bias and weren't on the good side of the good, good part of the track Derby day, whether it's Irish war cry, whether it's Jay boys, echo, whether it's Taprit, uh, whether it's patch, whether it's Gormley, all those horses that were on the bad part of the track on Derby day. A lot of them didn't run in the Preakness. How, you, you, you bring up an excellent point. I don't think they did a ton of running at all, especially in the last uh, quarter mile or so. And now with five weeks off between races, you're on a, on a drier track now. you draw better. Uh, it wouldn't shock me to see any one of those five. I think the winner will come from one of those horses. And the one of those horses that drew poorly and had a poor trip in the Derby, skipped the Preakness, and now here they are fresh on a dry track. I think they will be a, a force to reckon with. And one of those is Taprit. And there's Tapret. Now he gets the wake-up call. He's threading through from between horses, and now he's angled to the three path, and he's finishing up full of run with a quarter of a mile to run. State of Honor has the lead, but here comes the big gray, Tapret. He absolutely flies by the leaders. Tapret. He's in the clear and strictly the one to catch. State of Honor is digging in gamely, trying to hang on for seconds. Up on the outside is Wild Shot, but down to the wire it's Tapret. He makes another step forward on his way to Churchill. Well done, young man. We'll report home four links to the good.
0: It's mm-hmm. interesting. We were talking about, Chris was talking about patterns earlier, and I wanted to save it for here. Last year, Todd Pletcher trained Destin, who won the mm-hmm. Tampa Bay Derby, finished sixth in the Kentucky Derby, didn't run the Preakness, missed in the Belmont by a nose. Here's Taprit, winner of the Tampa Bay Derby, finished sixth in the Kentucky Derby, <laughs> didn't run the Preakness. Where do you see him fitting in here?
1: I really like Tappert in here, actually. Um, He's by Tappet, uh, who was actually the sire of creator who won last year and Tonalist a a couple years ago. We know he's got pedigree for that. He's out of a grade one winning mayor. And um, I I really think he was compromised. Chris was talking about the way that, those horses drawn outside at a tough spot last time. Irish War Cry was in post-17, which is where the gap is in the gate. And he really had the worst spot ever really, because he had that, that uh, weird configuration at the start right there And tap. Taprit was right next to him in post-16, and he just had a horrible start. He was against the bias of the track, always dreaming a horse that I loved going into the Derby. He had a, a dream trip in the Derby. So I think that Taprit's a horse that Todd, I actually spoke to him um, before they shipped to Kentucky. He's a, he's a horse that he's always had some big expectations for, and, and I admit I was a little bit questionable uh, about him at the beginning of his career. He did break his maiden at Gulfstream Park West, and then he won a, a stake in the Slop at Gulfstream, but he really backed that up in the Tampa Bay Derby, and I don't think he needs to be so far back in order to be successful, and I think he can get the distance.
2: You just hit on something right there when you said he doesn't need to be that far back. I think of the scratch of Classic Empire, and I'm assuming mm-hmm. Epicarus is going to scratch or not. Be. I think Tapper is the horse that gains the most and benefits the most by those two scratches because i think the pace scenario will be it'll be a lot slower up front and i think he could fall into a really good spot i'm assuming that that meantime and twisted tom will be on the lead and i I think tappert could be tappert and maybe gormley could be sitting uh third and fourth but i think tappert is the horse that has the most uh benefit of those two scratches in the field now i
1: totally agree with you and and i think jose ortiz is is I can't really say enough good things about him as a rider. And I think if you can trust anybody to put a horse in a good spot, then I think you can trust him.
0: Jose Ortiz, a very strong rider who likes to ride very hard out of the gate. And speaking of hard out of the gate, we were talking about patch, Chris. I know that post position doesn't make a huge difference in a race like the Belmont, a long race on a big wide track, but if he's going to get that grinding kind of trip that, not big turn of foot, but just keep on pushing kind of a trip, he's got to establish a good position. And going from 12 from the far outside, that could be an issue.
2: How do you think he works out a trip? It'll be interesting to see what Johnny Velasquez, I mean, no one knows this, this, this track and, and how to ride this track more than him. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. If he does push the pace a little bit more or if he just tries to settle in and, and, and click off consistent eights and consistent quarters to, to try and get there first. I mean, you, you, I look at his past performances and and, and I think he's a horse that's it's, it's, going to sit well off. and I, And I don't know if... I don't know if he has to be close. From I, I think he can let, let mean times go from just inside his inside. I don't think he has to be last or tenth or ninth, but I, I think he'll probably be sitting fifth or sixth or seventh, maybe uh, for, for much of the race. And, and hopefully, we'll try and and get it easy. I I think he's a I think he has a chance in this race. I mean, I know the the Velazquez Velasquez uh, triple crown record hasn't been great. Of course, all of his streaming did win the Derby, so that's like kind of changed a little bit uh, five weeks ago, but. He's a horse that I, I think his running style works here. The only concern I have about a price on him is that because it is Pletcher and Velazquez in New York, you're probably not going to get the price you deserve, along with all of the people who are going to come out to the track on a casual uh, basis. Oh, i won't come to the Belmont. It's going to be a great day. Oh, I want to bet on the one-eyed horse. So I think mean, if you're a better, you're, you're probably not going to get the price you deserve on Patch. But, but I, I don't think he's in here with, with, with no shot whatsoever. I think he has a chance
0: we've talked about statistical trends on this show. When we come back, another really strange one has a chance to rear its ugly head again. Stay with us. Welcome back to In the Gate. We've talked about some statistical trends and whether they have a chance to repeat themselves here. That's, of course, the lifeblood of what horse players do but here's a really strange one and we're back with acacia courtney and chris felica dallas stewart has a long shot here named hollywood handsome and if he comes in the money it wouldn't be the first time dallas stewart has done that no less than four different times has this guy finished in the money in triple crown races with horses at 30 to one or more and hollywood handsome is just that on the morning line so acacia what chance do you give hollywood handsome here
1: well, I don't think you can discredit him. As you said, I mean Dallas Stewart, he's kind of known for getting those long shots to come in and, and finish second or third and, and um and be successful in the triple crown. So I really don't think that you can you can discredit him at all. And uh this is an interesting horse. I, I do kind of wonder about distance for him. That is my biggest question. And, and he comes out of a strong allowance win as opposed to some graded stakes like some of the other horses in here have come out of. But you have you have these these ups and downs in this race because you have horses that have disappointed in big races like the Kentucky Derby or the Preakness or something like that, and then you have a horse that's coming fresh off of a victory, albeit against. Arguably left their company, but he is coming fresh off of a win. He obviously has some talent. And then you have somebody like Dallas Stewart who knows a good horse when he sees it. He puts him in. Everybody thinks he kept to discredit him. And then he ends up getting a check and it works out for him. So I think if you're trying to make some money in here, and it was interesting what Chris was saying earlier about how people do come out to the track on a Belmont, perhaps when they wouldn't come out um, on a normal Saturday, and maybe they're going to be betting some fan favorites like Patch, uh, like Irish War Cry, the New Jersey Bread. If you're looking to try and use uh, some funky <laughs> exacted trifecta, superfecta, whatever it is, maybe Hollywood Handsome somebody is, is you want to throw on.
2: The, the only caveat I will, and, I, and I, everyone who knows me and follows me and listens to me knows that I am all about Finding a price play in the race. The one caveat I would point out with Dallas Stewart and all those price horses, they've either been in the Derby or the Preakness. I mean, last year, he ran last and next to last. Commanding Curve, of course, was that trendy horse. Oh, he's going to, uh-huh. after running great in the Derby, he's going to love the Belmont distance. Well, he finished last. Halle didn't run well. So, for whatever reason, those horses that he's gotten in the money at prices at Churchill and at Pimlico, they haven't fired at bomber I don't know if it's a coincidence mm-hmm. or whatever it's been so that's my only hesitation is that that his horses haven't necessarily run well uh, in, in this spot, but I'm never going to talk anybody off if you like a long shot and you want to include a long shot, <laughs> go right ahead and use him because I don't want to be the one to cost you uh, stacks.
0: Well, in acacia talking <laughs> about distance limitations, I mean his female side has forestry in it. Who was a sprinter? So, but then again, you know, I mean, Beholder came out of Henny Hughes, and you know, we've talked about that. So, part of me doesn't really pay that much attention to that, but I certainly understand
2: it now. You, you, you talk about sprint pedigree, me uh, multiplier. You look at that pedigree; that that mm-hmm. screams sprint. I mean, that's what the factor by Trippy. I mean, that. that I mean, that's a, a mile tops. But you look at the way the horse mm-hmm. runs and finishes up. He looks like someone that really will not have a problem going this far with that running style. And I, 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 you watch the preakness again. His preakness was not as bad as that finish indicated. And you have Joel Rosario, who who is a good rider from off the pace. He's a horse I think that might get a little bit overlooked in the wagering and, and might be be a factor in in, in your exotic bets as well. But we talk about breeding and how horses. You brought, you brought up a holder. I mean, it seems like nowadays so many of these horses are outrunning what you would deem to be a pure sprint pedigree.
0: One more that we haven't touched on really before we get to your predictions and that's Gormley. Gormley is being presented three wide within a length of them, swinging for home, and then midnight pleasure. Less than three sixteenths to go. Battle of Midway from Royal Moe, and here comes Gormley, followed by Iliad and reach the world. It's Battle of Midway trying to stave off the moss pair. Royal Moe and Gormley battling strongly. Gormley looming into the lead now. Gormley takes the lead, and Gormley wins the set. Anita Derby, a half length, the Battle of Midway, Royal Moe. We talked about horses that ran the Derby, skipped the Preakness, Acacia. Half in this decade, you know, half the winners of the Belmont ran in the Derby, skipped the Preakness. And Gormley, Mm -hmm. Chris and I were talking before, has that kind of grinding running style that you kind of want in here. I mean, I know he comes from California, not the same kind of surface as you get in New York. But what chance do you give Gormley here?
1: Well, he's an interesting one because I was kind of intrigued by him uh, coming into the Kentucky Derby maybe as a bit of a price play underneath as I said, really loved always dreaming and trying to, um, to use that with somebody else and he, he was drawn outside. We had talked about that earlier about how the horses drawn outside really just had the toughest time of it and it actually looked like he was in a good position in the Derby and then he just really didn't fire and uh, you can argue he was kind of a, against the bias of the track. He was drawn outside. He had some excuses and he had run really, really well on a wet track in the sham, which is what led me to believe he would be able to handle the conditions at Churchill. That might actually help him now that he's been fresh and since the Derby. Obviously, Victor Espinoza knows how to win at the Belmont. And I think that, yes, he has a grinding running style, but early in his career, he showed a lot of I think that he's going to be one to sit kind of right where Tappert is. And I do like him in here too. His grandsire is AP Indy, of course, that won the Belmont. So pedigree wise, he should be just fine in here. And I think that there's a lot of distance on the dam side as well, even though she was turf, but I think he's an interesting horse. And I kind of like the inside runners in Tappert and Gormley in here.
0: Oh, by the way, when we talked about half of the uh, Belmont winners in this decade, Ran the Derby, skipped the Preakness. That doesn't even include Rags to Riches, who won the Kentucky mm-hmm. Oaks and then skipped the.
2: So same thing, five week layoff.
0: Right, that's, that's, that doesn't even include Rags to Riches. All right, let's go to the betting window. Let's start with Chris. What are you doing here?
2: <laughs> this is a betting race, and I can always I can remember uh, when Big Brown wound up getting beating uh, beaten that year. Uh, one of my good friends and one of my good handicapper that I know, he approached the race not with who's going to win with who he thought was going to run well. And he said, I don't know who's going to win, but I know Dennis of Cork is going to run well. So he played trifecta box, Dennis of Cork with all with all, all with Dennis of Cork with all, all, all Dennis of Cork, and we know what happened, bombs away, and he was a very happy man. I I am confident that either Taprit or Irish war cry will run a good race so I'm gonna put I'm gonna put those two in one spot in the try in one spot on the exacta the two in the seven and then I think the race will be one or the other spot in the exacta will be either Gormley or Jay boys Echo or patch or, or, or multiplier so I'm gonna play an exacta box two seven with three four eight ten twelve and hope to maybe split the favorites, get a price in there with one of the logical horses that I think is going to run well. Um, If looking at Lee wins, I lose. If Hippocaris runs and wins, I lose. I I don't see him running, though. So uh, I'm going to look to make some money and just try and play around two horses that I think are going to run well.
0: Wow, we haven't even talked about Jay Borzeko, but you're finally drinking the Dan Roman's Kool-Aid, are you?
2: Bobby Flay, two years in a row, right? Buys Buys an interest a week of the
1: race.
0: What do you like here, Acacia.
1: Well, I think that Tappert's going to be a shorter price than his morning line six to one as we get to the betting windows for the Belmont. But uh, I'm in on Taprit. I think that he's, I agree with what Chris was saying. You have to go with a horse you think is going to run well. Um, I think it's going to be another good day for Tapit, another Belmont win in his progeny. And um I, I like Irish War Cry as well. And I, I think that um, if Epi wins, I'll be really, or excuse me, if he runs, I'll be really intrigued by him. But I would not bet him because I think that he is a horse going to take a lot of money just off of intrigue. He would be one of those ones that I would want to watch because he's coming over um, from Japan. He's going to be uh, one that's kind of an unknown for people. And they're going to say, well, He's uh, he was undefeated until he was second in just a nose in Dubai. He can obviously get the distance, but I think if he runs he'll be a short price. So it's gonna be uh, a tappert, Gormley and Irish War Cry is the top three for me. Maybe try to find a bomber underneath in there. And it's true, we didn't even talk about Jay Boy's Echo. Maybe maybe Bobby Flay has a little something going on, but I'll I'll stick with the two, three and the seven.
0: Well, eight of the last 11 Triple Crown races have been won by either the favorite or the second choice, so certainly not out of the realm of possibility. Thank you so much to Chris Feliga to Acacia Courtney. Thanks so much.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me on.
0: Remember, we record in the gate each and every week of the racing year. We get serious when we have to. We have fun when we can. Tune in. You might learn something, and even crazier, you might just like it. Remember, you can catch us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well, which services the iTunes Store and TuneIn.com. You can get us on that little pink podcatcher app on your phone that you didn't even know you had. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. And you can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. That's In The Gate for this week. I'm Barry Abrams. Enjoy the Belmont. We'll see you on the other side.